Welcome to another edition of Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. We're so glad you chose to listen with us today, and we pray your life will be blessed through the following message. Man, I just can't imagine, and as a father now myself, uh, just unbelievable what he sacrificed, what Jesus sacrificed for us, for us. Just unbelievable when you think about it. So um, I don't know about you, we had a family get-together yesterday, and we just had a great time. We, we cut up, we played, we ate, we, we laughed, we, we opened presents. We just had a good time. We glorified the name of the Lord. We did a lot of stuff yesterday, and uh, just got me thinking about Christmas in general, and and uh, put me in the spirit of joking around and, and just telling some jokes. So I thought I'd share a couple of jokes with you guys this morning. That'd be okay? Amen. Do y'all know the difference between the Christmas alphabet and the regular alphabet? Dad knows these. I told him yesterday. Don't blow it, man. No L's. I'm sorry. Yeah, no L's. No L's. So, do y'all know why it's getting harder to buy Advent calendars? Because their days are numbered. Jim, just for you, sir, I know you're a chess fan, but do you know what you call a bunch of chess players bragging about their matches in a hotel lobby? Chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. And everybody ought to get this one. What is a parent's favorite Christmas carol? Silent Night. That is correct. Amen. Silent Night. So... <laughs> Amen. I love to joke, have a good time. May I tell you what is not a joke and what is no laughing matter? And that is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And you can't spell Christmas without Christ. And you can't celebrate Christmas without Jesus. The world tries to. And they start saying things like happy holidays. And they start moving away from saying Christmas. Why? Because you can't say Christmas without acknowledging Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I wanted to clarify something from Sermon Dad. Dad said last week, you know, we do know Jesus is the Christ. That's not taking his name in vain, okay? But there are people that do say Jesus Christ, and they do not mean it positive. Last week, I think he told us that you shouldn't say Jesus Christ at all. But we should acknowledge Jesus the Christ, right? Amen? Okay. You told me sometimes I'd have to clean it up, right? So, okay. All right. He tells me all the time he's now able to throw me under the bus. It's up to me to figure it out. So, <laughs> But, but he is the Christ. He is our King. He is our Lord and Savior. And without his birth, there could be no death, there could be no resurrection, and there can be no salvation. So I want you to know, as important as it is to celebrate Easter and the resurrection of our King and Savior, it should be just as important for us to acknowledge and to celebrate the birth of our King. Amen? And I want to just walk you through a story that I'm sure you've read many times. And being Christmas Day, it shouldn't have been a surprise what I'm going to talk about today. Amen? I'm going to talk about the good news of Jesus. But you know, the good news of Jesus started with the plan. Jesus' story didn't begin with his birth. It began with the plan. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 tell us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus' story didn't begin with his birth. It began with the plan. Can I tell you something? Your story didn't begin with your birth. It began with the plan. God has a plan for your life. After the plan, there was the waiting. 
There was the waiting. The Hebrews were awaiting a savior and they had been waiting for one for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. In fact, it had been about 400 years since Malachi, the last recorded prophet in the Old Testament, had spoken for God. And you know, when you think about waiting in your own life, waiting can be hard. But make no mistake about it, we're waiting on the Savior. We're waiting on God to fulfill His plan for our lives. The waiting is worth it. It's worth it. You don't get to the good news without the waiting. There was waiting. But I want you to know that the waiting is not the idol. Not I-D-O-L, but I-D-L-E. Waiting is not the same thing as idol. Idol means you're doing nothing. We're not idle. God's not idle. In the waiting, there's stuff going on. Waiting means to await, to stay available and ready with expectation. You know, we're awaiting the return of the king. When Jesus came, they were awaiting the birth of a savior. We're not supposed to just be idle and when he shows up, be surprised by it. We should be waiting expectantly. We should be waiting on the Lord expectantly. God is at work during the wait. Sometimes it's hard to believe that. We see with our eyes. Why do you think that scripture was so important that Paul wrote? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It reminds us to keep our things on things above, correct? Because when we look in the flesh, we look in the carnal, sometimes we can get, we can get sidetracked. Think about Peter when he was walking on water. He had his eyes on Jesus, but the second he took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He began to sink. God is at work during the wait. Jesus' birth was no surprise to God. Malachi 3.1 tells us, Behold, I am sending my messenger, and he will clear away before me. And the Lord, when you are, and, and the Lord whom you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5 says, The voice of one calling out, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. You know, we sing that song from, I think it's Elevation Worship, and it's uh, Roar. So I'm going line Roar, and there's a part where it talks about uh, let the valleys be made high and the mountains low. And somebody asked one time, I don't understand that. And I said, I don't either, but I know it's of God. I just don't know exactly where it's at. And so as I'm studying for the sermon today, I read this scripture and I go, oh, there it is. I knew it was there somewhere. <laughs> so Isaiah 40, when we're singing that song again, just so y'all know, that's what we're talking about. It says, and every mountain and hill be made low and let the uneven ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See, it was prophesied. So we know the king is coming back. We know Jesus is coming back, but there's a waiting. But while we're waiting, God is at work. When you're waiting for things God's promised you in your life, okay, it's not God delaying, right? God is at work, just like he was with Jesus. During that waiting, there was an announcement. The announcement, we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up here. I missed a part that's extremely important. I told you Jesus' birth was no surprise to God. I want to remind you that your birth was not a surprise to God either. Your birth was not a surprise to God. Jeremiah 1, 5, the first part says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I took the first part of that because the second part goes specific to Jeremiah himself. But God tells us the same is true for all of us. Before he formed you, he knew you. Psalms 139, the first four verses say, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I get up, 
<laughs> I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, you know, this Santa Claus song where he sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you've been good and bad, that's all the world trying to, you know, right? This is the word of God, right? We serve a God that really does know when you've been good or bad. We have a God, not a Santa. We have God <laughs> that knows us. Amen. Amen. Let me start again here. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You understand my thought from far away. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all. Before the word is even on our tongue, he already knows it. Wow. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. In verse 13 of that same chapter, it says, For you created my innermost parts. Before x-rays and before sonograms, those innermost parts were still there. And if you've never seen an x-ray, you know, you still have to trust that there are things going on inside of your body you don't understand. That's that faith, that's that trust, but God knows. God put you together. Your birth was no surprise. Verse 14 says, I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Man, if we could get a t-shirt and give it to every kid in America, maybe we could knock out this confusion over who people are. God did not make a mistake. Let me say it again here. I am, not I might be. Lord, let me figure it out. I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. I'm sorry, let me say that again. And skillfully. Once again, God did not make a mistake with you. God did not make a mistake with you. Your eyes have seen my formless substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Mm. How can God have known us in a formless substance except he be God? So when I say to you, Jesus' birth was not a surprise to God, and your birth was not a surprise to God, all of that is wrapped up in the good news of Jesus. You are part of that good news because he came for you. He came for me. He came to die for your sins and my sins. That is the good news of Jesus. Now, God knew all this was happening, but he sent someone to announce the coming of Jesus. He had already sent prophets to tell of the coming, but now we're getting closer, much, much closer. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her 
till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. There is so much in that announcement of the birth of Jesus. So much. The angel, the messenger of the Lord, appeared. And I don't know what these angels look like that are bringing these messages, but we're going to read a little later that, that the angel again had to say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So it must just be a powerful, awesome, mighty being, right? And, and, and it's not just that the angel says, do not be afraid, but it appears that Joseph was then not afraid. So being able to bring that peace, that's the messenger of the Lord bringing that peace. And Joseph is wanting to put Mary away privately. And when he gets done with that dream and the angel shows up, he's not only not putting her away, he is now solid in where he's headed and what he's supposed to do. And he takes Mary to be his wife. We get to read this stuff after the fact. You think about any situation you're facing right now. Joseph had to have a relationship with the Lord somehow, some way for him to recognize that what he was being told and what he was seeing in that dream was from God. And if we will have that relationship, that same relationship with the Lord, when he speaks to us, we will be able to carry out those plans because I guarantee you, have you ever thought about what they had to go through with their friends and family? How many times have you reached out to tell somebody, this is what the Lord told me? And if it doesn't line up with their way of thinking and it doesn't make sense to them, then you can be ostracized. You can be, you know, uh, demonized. You can just be uh, all manner of evil spoken against you. So when we read this awesome story, don't forget that there was a lot more to it. There was a lot more that Joseph had to walk out, but he trusted the Lord. That's the good news of Jesus, that if we'll trust the Lord, he will guide us. He will lead us. He will direct us. He will not forsake us. That's the good news of Jesus. After the announcement came the birth. Now that was embedded in Matthew, but I love the birth of Jesus as told by Luke. Luke chapter 2, starting in the first verse. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Make no mistake about it, God could have set him up in any hotel he wanted to. There was a purpose behind them being born in the end. And everything we read about Jesus' life continues to show people it's not about what we see as the biggest and the best and the brightest. Everywhere we read the scriptures of the Lord, he always seems to tell the opposite. It's not the first, but the last. The last will be first, right? Somebody hits you, turn the other cheek. I guarantee you that wouldn't be preached anywhere, right? All of these things Jesus came to tear down our understanding of what success and good and worthy is. And it's only when we humble ourselves like Jesus humbled himself. He had to go to the lowest of lows. I told you I got to watch the Christmas episode from, what's the name of our show? I'm so sorry. The Chosen. And uh, the part of the scene where they get to the end, they have Joseph scoop poop off the floor. And you know, I've never thought about that kind of stuff. I think so much about how awesome it was that Jesus was born that it, that sometimes doesn't register that he didn't, well, he wasn't just born. He was born in some of the crummiest circumstances, some of the nastiest place we could ever imagine. 
But make no mistake, it was not chance that got him there. God could have had him born anywhere. He could have been born in the king's palace, wherever. He sent Moses to live with the king, right? He got Joseph to the king. He could have easily set it up for Jesus to be born with a king, but there was a message behind where he was born. That is the good news of Jesus, that when we humble ourselves, that's where Jesus is, when we humble ourselves. You know, there were witnesses. There weren't just Mary and Joseph, but God set it up for there to be witnesses to his birth. Luke continues in the second chapter, the eighth verse. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Mm -hmm. And they were greatly afraid. I don't know how to explain that except to relay a, a story my dad told me about my grandfather. When the, when the Lord showed up and the Holy Spirit showed up, he began to just repent, and he was so afraid. He was scared, right? And the Lord had to give him peace. And I believe the only way I know how to understand that is what happens is the pureness of our Savior exposes all the sin and the dirty and the nasty, and we just we feel guilty. We just we feel like unworthy because we're in the presence of God. So make no mistake, I've heard people say, and if you're one of them, I'm not picking on you, but I heard people say, I wouldn't be afraid. <laughs> okay. Okay. And they weren't meaning it like trying to be boastful. They were thinking in terms of, man, if I see an angel, I'm going to be so excited. Right? But what comes with that, when they talk about the glory of the Lord, oh my gosh, I've had one experience where I felt like the glory of the Lord just got all over me, and that's all I could do is cry and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, I don't even know exactly what I'm saying sorry for. I just know I need to keep apologizing. It's not enough. And I can't explain that. It wasn't forced. I couldn't help myself. I believe that was the glory of the Lord. That's the only thing I can come close to equating that. So when it shows up, and that's why the angels are having to say, don't be afraid. I'm trying to bring peace. I want to start back over because this is one of my favorite areas here. Again, verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The good news of Jesus is peace and goodwill toward men. God sent another messenger to say, Hey, you got to see this. You think you've seen some cool stuff? Let me, let me show you the coolest thing ever. Let, let me just show you something awesome. And he even put a multitude of angels there to start praising him right there. And he's still saying, Man, it's still, that's nothing. Let me show you the Savior of the world. Let me introduce you. Could you imagine being chosen by God to go witness the birth of Jesus? And he told him, he said, you're going to know you're in the right place because this is what you're going to see. You're going to see a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Mm, powerful. God sent witnesses. God sent witnesses. The good news goes on again in the second chapter, picking up in verse 15. 
says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven and the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with host and found, I'm sorry, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. It was told them. You don't have to force yourself to tell people about the good news of Jesus. When you are introduced to that Savior, to him, to our God, you can't help but glorify him and praise him and tell everybody you come in contact with. So I submit to you on this day, that that's what the Lord is looking for from you. You want to give Jesus a present, give him you. Grow closer to him. That's all you have to do. It goes back to what we've been talking about for this whole uh, second half of the year. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. If we do that, not only do we become passionate pursuers of God, but we can't help but tell other people about Jesus. We don't have to force ourselves. We don't have to conjure up uh, righteous living and holiness. We don't have to conjure up the right words to say to somebody. We will be so desperate for people to know our Savior. That would be the best gift you give to Jesus today. The good news of Jesus. You know, when these shepherds and the Hebrews were waiting on a Savior, we're not waiting uh, for the Savior to come the first time, right? This is already done. We get to read about what happened. But we are waiting on the return of our King. And so this story applies even today. It's been prophesied, right? There is the plan. The plan was not just Jesus' birth. It started long before Jesus' birth. And guess what? It continues long after his resurrection. The plan is not complete for this world or for you or for me. God is still working. We are in the waiting period. We are waiting on the return of our Savior. We are waiting, but we are not idle. God has announced his coming back. He has announced that. And instead of the birth, it will be the return. And make no mistake about it, there will be witnesses. We just pray it won't be too late. So this Christmas, as you celebrate the Lord, as you celebrate Jesus, I want you to remember John 14, chapter 1 through 7. It says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you also will be. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen me. Christmas is a time to celebrate. I know that some of us have gone through loss in our families. Or we're going through difficult times. But the Bible also says that... Um, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. 
And the reason we need a Savior is because when we get stuck in that rut and we don't know how to celebrate on a day like today, we simply tell God the truth and ask Him to help us. And He comes and He brings that peace. He brings that joy. And you are able to celebrate despite what's going on in your uh, world. You see, God says He'll bring us, the, bring us the peace that passes all understanding. But we have to trust in that same Savior that the shepherds trusted in, that Mary and Joseph trusted in. Amen. We have to trust that the Lord has a plan for our lives. This Christmas, I pray that we'll keep our eyes and our hearts open with great expectation of all God has ahead of us, even to the second coming of Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, and He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.